Good evening, everybody. Welcome to week two of Evangelism 101. We are so excited for you guys to be here this evening with us. So thank you so much for coming. In a minute, we're going to watch uh, the Bonky video again just to take a look and remind us of, of who this man is that wrote this book and also what it is that we're doing here. And I just have a quick reflection I wanted to share with you guys. I got to be in a friend's wedding this weekend, and weddings for me are one of my favorite spiritual disciplines, if you want to call it a sacrament, whatever, but that we do. Um, it's that, it's baptism and communion. Those are my top three, I would say. And I love getting to watch people get married because it's such a reminder of our salvation to me as the bride and the bridegroom come together. And there's a song by Phil Wickham called Beautiful, and one of the lyrics in the song is, when we arrive at eternity's shore and death is just a memory, tears are no more. We'll enter in as the wedding bells ring. Your bride will come together and we'll sing your beautiful. That song plays through my head oftentimes at, at weddings because I'm reminded of this moment that is coming when we as the bride of Christ will come together and we'll meet him face to face. And uh, that's typically at weddings the very thing that makes me cry is because I think about the salvation that we experience now and that is also coming when we get to look upon the, the face of our bridegroom. And I long for that moment and I can't wait for that moment. And we get to experience that together, which is awesome. But then I'm also reminded in light of a class like this that there are people that won't get to participate in that as of right now simply because they don't know Jesus. And I'm reminded, especially because of this class, of the importance of us going out and telling people about Jesus so that they too can be a part of that moment, a part of that experience. Many of you guys are married, and so you know what that moment was like when you either looked upon the face of your groom or when you, you looked upon the face of your bride. And you know the joy that was in that moment, and it's going to be such a greater joy, so much, such a greater celebration when we actually look upon the face of Christ. And so I'm encouraged through this book, I'm encouraged through this class that we are being trained and equipped to go and do this so that other people can be a part of that wedding celebration. It's going to be glorious. Let's pray. And then we're going to watch a video after that. Jesus, we need you. We need you tonight. We need you always. We need you to be our teacher. And uh, in Christ, I'm not interested in us doing this class without you. Holy Spirit, we have to have you be a part of this. You have to be the one who leads this. You have to be the one who teaches us. Or else it's all in vain. We want to do this with you, Jesus. And so what does that look like for us? Would you, Lord God, open our hearts to you? Change us from the inside out. Get us ready to go to the world and tell them about the good news of Jesus, that we might... Join with them on that day when we look upon your face. Thank you for that promise. Thank you for seeking us, for saving us. Thank you for pursuing us. God, might we be diligent in also pursuing people for the kingdom. In your name we pray. Amen. From Nigeria, where are you tonight? Our Nigerian sisters, amen. Did that make you feel at home? Amen. And you know, as I watched that and I thought of China, you know, and I thought of, of Jeremy, who's here. Where are you, Jeremy? And how this guy's, well, we can't say what he's doing, 
all right, because he's doing something for Jesus illegal. That's okay, you know, once in a while to do something for Jesus illegal. But when, when you, maybe I should tell you what he's doing. He's, he's actually smuggling Bibles. Can I tell people that? We're not recording this, right? No, he's really not, and he's not in the room, right? But you know what, when I watched that, I thought to myself, I told Phil tonight, I said, we watched that video tonight, and I said, in my lifetime, I want to be in that crowd. Just once in my lifetime, I want to be in that crowd, in either Nigeria or America. But what we fail to remember is God's doing things around the world, and he's doing things around the world that he wants to do here. Amen? Amen? He's doing things around the world that he wants to do here. And be it our lack of faith, be it that we're stoic, be it that we're busy, um, he wants to do here what he's doing abroad. He will bring his revival. It's coming. Will we taste it and will we touch it? And I just wanted to share a couple things tonight before Pastor Jared come and Phil come. And, um, you know, I realized I, I grew up with EE. It's called Evangelism Explosion. So I grew up in the church, and as a little girl, would go door to door and just share tracts. Remember back in the day when somebody would knock on your door and you wondered if it was a Christian or a Mormon? You know, those were about the only two doing it. And um, we would go door to door. So I was raised that way, and I was raised with evangelism. And evangelism has always been a big part of my life. And it's one of my passions, and I believe one of my spiritual gifts, because it comes so easy to me. And I understand it doesn't come easy to everyone, but it was commanded to everyone. There's a lot of things that don't come easy for me, and that doesn't give me an excuse not to do them. So you're in this room because I believe you know that it's a, it's a command from our Lord. It's a passion of our Lord, and you wouldn't be here if someone hadn't shared with you. But uh, on Sunday, I was sharing a little bit with Steve and Kelly, and something hit me that I really want to share with you. You know, we talk about what we're passionate about. We just had a new little grandbaby a few days ago, and I just, just got new pictures today, his first bath. So they sent me pictures of his first bath. And I'm posting them on Facebook. I want everybody to see. You see, we're passionate about certain things. I'm passionate about my baby. I'm passionate about certain restaurants. If I've had a really good meal, I'm going to tell you. Hey, guys, go try this out. This is our favorite. Aren't we passionate about certain things? And we're not afraid to tell people. When's the last time you told someone about the passion of Jesus Christ? When's the last time you told him about the one who has changed your life forever? See, I don't know when the last time was for you. And so I was talking to Kelly, and she goes, Tammy, I love it that Pastor Phil gives altar calls. She says, because that's how I was saved. I came to church, and I had this altar call, and, and my friend was telling me about Jesus, and I came, and the pastor gave this altar call, and I went forward, and I said, you know what? That's God's plan B. You're his plan A. See, we think we can bring somebody to church and they get saved by the pastor. That's plan B. God never intended for you to bring somebody to church and they get saved because the pastor gave an altar call. He planned on you opening your mouth and sharing your story real and raw. See, that's how people come to faith in Christ, just real and raw. We give you tools like EE. We give you tools like the Roman Road. We give you tools, you know, the, all these things we want to give you. But do you know your testimony is real and raw? We were living in Denver, Colorado, and there were a couple young girls coming to church. And they asked me if I would come and I would do a Bible study on their campus in, um, in Colorado. And it was UC, um, I mean, it was um, DU. And we were doing a Bible study there, and I went, and I was sharing. And before long, one of the girls came to me, and she said, Tammy, I have a girl in my dorm, and she really needs Jesus. You know, can I bring her? Because it was kind of coaching stuff I was doing, and she felt safe. She brought this girl, and the girl sat in the back so that she can do what a lot of us do when we sit in the back, that slip out if we really don't like where this message is going, right? And so she sat in the back, and I made eye contact with her. And, and the next week she came, and she sat a little closer. And before long, she was starting to feel comfortable. 
I think she saw something in me that I'm going to say was real and raw. Because I think when you have the irresistible love of Jesus and it's real and raw, anybody's attracted to you. It's not you, it's him. Isn't it? It's him. Because it's see, he, they see, and we're going to look at a scripture. So before long, about the third or four weeks, she came up to me and she said, um, could we have coffee? And so we went and we had coffee and she said, I'm going to be honest. She said, it's really uncomfortable for me to come because I feel like if you knew what I did, you wouldn't like me. And I said to her, really, really doesn't matter what you do because I already like you. I don't care what you do. And she began to tell her story, how um, she didn't have money to come to college. Someone turned her on to a way to make money to be able to go to an expensive college. And it happened to be um, stripping at a bar. And she knew that if she did that, that she'd be able to make enough money to get through college. And she goes, it's not what I want to do with my life. I don't want you to judge me. And I go, hey, there's no judgment here. I love you. It doesn't matter what I think of you. It only matters what you think of you. And with that, tears started streaming down her face. And she said, I've never been talked to like that. She goes, I come because I've never felt love like this before. And about four weeks later, I led her to Christ. And she came week after week. I mentored her and mentored her. And then we left Denver. I lost kind of track with her. Two years, I get a Facebook message. Two years ago, I got a Facebook message. And she said, hey, Tammy, this is, and she named her name. And she said, I saw you on Facebook, and I just had to tell you my story. She said, after you left Denver, she said, everything about my life changed. She said, I'm now married to a pastor. And she said, here's my two kids. And she showed me their pictures. I'm going to cry. And she said, thank you for not judging me, and thank you for being real. You see, she was not going to come into a church. She needed someone to be real and raw with her. You know, when he tells us to go into the marketplace, that's your job. That's your neighbor. That's real. I mean, when you get so on fire with the fire of the Holy Spirit, it's just real and it's raw. You don't have to be, you don't have to freak them out with the Word of God. Live the Word of God. Breathe the Word of God. Speak the Word of God. Use the Word of God. The Word of God is a sharp tool that we use, but it's the love of Jesus in you that's the irresistible attraction. That's the real. That's the raw. That's the story. You know, um, our kids grew up doing the same thing I did. I mean, we have to laugh now because the kids say it tells, remember when you used to send us door to door with tracks? You remember how, and I'm thinking, I can't believe we did that. I mean, just, I mean, we probably abuse now would, you know, abuse your children. But our kids grew up that way. And um, our little daughter, I've told you some of this, some of you know Jen. So in the first grade, she made friends with a little girl, Ashley. And she said to this little girl, Ashley, on the very first day of school, do you know Jesus? And she said, no. And she said, then you're going to hell. And that's exactly what she said on the first day in the uh, first grade with her little friend. So needless to say, a few weeks later, I received a phone call from her mother, and she wanted to go to coffee with me. And Jane and I went to coffee, and I apologized for my daughter's techniques. And she said, well, the biggest issue is we're Jewish. And she actually said, I'm half Jewish, half Catholic. And she said, we really just don't go to church. Well, within a matter of months, I had led um, um, Jane to the Lord. And Phil had led her husband to the Lord, and they are in our church. And actually, it was just the wedding that Phil did several months ago in Denver. But when these two were little, I would drop them off at the theater, and they would take gospel tracts with them. And they would go around the theater and witness to people, you know, just these little children, because they understood something that we've forgotten, the simplicity of Jesus, just the simplicity of Jesus. We think people don't want it. Then why do you have it? because you wanted it. Amen? Get out of your mind the lie of the enemy that I don't know how to do this. 
If you know how to open your mouth, if you can brag on a grandbaby, you can brag on a restaurant, you can brag on Jesus. See, you'll talk about what you love. You'll talk about what you love. Um, one thing I want to do before, well, let me just do this, and we're only going to take, you get 30 seconds apiece, so if you have a long talker, just shut them up at 30 seconds. I want you to turn to the person next to you, and I want you to, there's three questions. I want you to do this, okay? So you get 10 seconds apiece. Who told you about Jesus? Think about it right now in your mind. Who told you? Sunday school teacher, pastor, parent, when you were 22 years old in a bar, the bartender? That, that that's, happens, honestly. Who told you about Jesus? Are you comfortable telling somebody else about Jesus, and why or why not? And it's simple, I don't know what to say. It's been a long time, whatever your answer is. And then when was the last time you told somebody about Jesus? So who told you about Jesus, okay? Are you comfortable telling someone when's the last time that you told somebody about Jesus? 30 seconds, that means 10 apiece for each question, go. Okay, if you haven't switched, switch. Did you already switch? Quick, quick. Everybody at least got a little bit out. Ten seconds more. All right. I have a question. How many of you came to faith in Christ as a child? Wow. Okay, look around. High, higher. Look around. Came to faith in Christ as a child. How many of you came to whatever you consider a child? Some of you are still children. <laughs> All right. Just a child. You know, say elementary school. You know, young junior high. Okay. A lot of hands go up. Do you realize statistically that if you don't accept Christ as a child, statistically, chances are you won't? You know, I was meeting today with our, um, our children's, um, where, Donna, where are you? Sorry to say children's pastor. She is a pastor to our children. We love you. But um, she showed me this video. And let me tell you why this we're going to take. It's just two minutes long. I want you to watch this. It broke my heart because our kids are going to die and go to hell if we don't do something about it. And maybe that's why my little Jen was so simply said to Ashley, you're going to go to hell. And, and it's, it's pretty, pretty sad. I mean, today, Ashley's walking with the Lord, and she's in a church, and she's married, and she's, but had a little child not been so bold, a whole family, I don't think, would be in the kingdom today. I want you to watch this, and we're going to take a minute and talk about it. It's just two, two minutes long, really short. But look, read the statistics. Do you realize if we don't do something now, we will not have a church in America tomorrow? We just won't. I mean, we are, we are going to be, Phil used to say all the time, as goes Europe, so goes the world. And we've got to do something. 
really to be sharing our faith. So two things I want you to do before I share a couple verses with you. Donna's going to be um, at our break time. She's going to go around to every single person in here and get your name and number. No. Okay. We really do need more people in here. If you are uncomfortable in talking to somebody about Jesus as an adult, maybe you can start as a child. It's really easy to start with kids. And we really need, I mean, you know, we've gone to two services here and we need you as much as you can be here on a Tuesday night. We are growing and God's doing some incredible things here. We need people helping us. But I thought those statistics were pretty um, alarming that from the age to four to 14, if you haven't come to faith in Christ, we have well, a 62% chance you won't. Okay. So I want you to think about that. Let me share a couple of verses that I really think God just spoke to my heart before Pastor Jared comes. You know, in 1 Peter 3.15, it says, but in your hearts, honor Christ as Lord and holy always being prepared. Now here's the key, write this first down, memorize it. It's so good. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason of the hope within you. When somebody looks at me and they says to, they say to me, this world is screwed up. That is making a request to me. Did you think about that that way? That's simply somebody saying to me, can you tell me something I don't know? When I'm standing in the, in the grocery line and somebody's reading the tabloids and they look at me and they say, this world is going to hell. I want to go, you're right, it really is. But there really is a really cool answer. And I've experienced it firsthand and his name's Jesus. And I'm not a weird fanatic or anything. You know, I always give that disclaimer so people aren't afraid of me. Just talk to people and say, but seriously, I've had a relationship with Jesus and it's, and it's changed. I have led people to Christ in the supermarket just that way simply that way. See, when your antenna is up for the things of God, you look for ways to, you see, that's planting seeds. You don't have to try right there to hook them. All right. Let me give a couple techniques. The Bible tells us that some sow, some water and some reap. So I was talking to Lisa the other day and she goes, I don't know how to reap. All right. But she can sow and I can water and somebody can come along. Right. We can all sow seeds. We can all open our mouth. We can all just share a little. And that's really what the keys are going to be that um, Pastor Jared's going to come in a minute. How do I do that? What are some tools and what are some techniques? But here's the thing. If it doesn't move from your head to your heart, okay, when there's no fire in you and there's no attraction in you and there's no passion in you, okay, then it's just words. So basically what you're basically doing here is when I'm on fire with the presence of the Holy Spirit of God, People want to be warmed around that fire. Amen. There's something attractive about it. So let me pray over you. Um, I think Jared's next, right, babe, or you? Jared, okay. What I want you to do, I want you to close your eyes before Jared comes because he's going to give us a really cool exercise we're going to do together, and you're going to get some tools. But what I really want to do right now is I want you right now in your own mind and in your own heart, I want you to just enter into a time of really worship with God. I want you to just let God know you're here because you've chosen to be here and you're really asking him to fill you with his Holy Spirit and give you the burning desire that you once had for the things of the gospel. Father, I just want to come to you now and I'm, I'm passionate about what's happening here because God, there's so often that I'm looking around at everything negative happening in my world and in America. And I look at what's happening in Africa and I look at what's happening, especially in Nigeria and around that continent. I'm, I'm looking at what's happening in China God, with those who are the underground church of China. Father, I'm aware that your spirit is moving around our world like never before, and yet it is dead in America. And God, I just pray that you would resurrect your spirit 
and that it would start here at Influence. God, I believe you birthed this church and named this church for a reason. I believe you've called everyone here for a reason. Father, I pray that the power of the Holy Spirit would fall on us, that we would be Isaiah, like Isaiah in chapter 6, Father, that we would say, Father, Lord, send me, God, send me. God, would you just wreck our world right now with the things of God? Would you give us a passion? God, there are times that I literally see hell and those I know in hell. God, I just pray that you would give us dreams of heaven and those who don't know you yet, that we would really just proclaim truth and the gospel that those who don't know you will know you. Would you burn in our soul, Father, for the things that, that you love? And God, you love us. You love us so much that you sent your son. And God, we, some of us have forgotten that. God, we have become busy. We've become hardened of heart and complacent. And some of us have even forgotten that there is a hell. And God, that is not a scare technique. That is a reality. And some of us have children that are going there. And some of us have loved ones that are going there. And we know we have neighbors. And God, we pass them every day. We walk every day. We get busy every day. And God, would you just burn in our heart your love. Just like Ponky said, God, love, 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 joy, joy, joy in the inner man. God, we pray that. Give us the tools, give us the passion, and would we be obedient, as you told us in Matthew 28, to go ye therefore and teach and speak and share the love of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Jared. Good evening, everyone. Um, how many of you weren't here last week? Okay, so there are quite a lot of you that weren't here last week. So I think what we're going to do, uh, I've already taught for 45 minutes how to share the gospel one-on-one -on -one with your friends. Have you all been practicing your scripts? How many of you have practiced this week on a, on a non-Christian? One, I see that hand, I see that hand. Okay. Next week, I want to see all the hands up. But what we're going to do today, you guys are going to practice on each other. Okay? So what we're going to do, we're going to take the next 20 minutes or so, and we're going to pair you off two by two, and we're going to ask you to move into the sanctuary and just spread out among each other. Take your script and, and share the gospel with your friend, whether it's your husband, your wife, or whatever. But make sure you, you stay focused. So don't talk about the kids. Don't talk about the elections. Don't talk about, you know, the, the Laker game or whatever. We want you to be really, really focused. So like we shared last week, you start off with your testimony. Uh, that should take about two minutes. Then the first question, if you were to die today, do you know if you're going to go to heaven? You get their response. That takes a minute. Second question, why should... Um, God allow you into heaven and then you get their to-do list why God should allow them into heaven and then you proceed with um, who is God uh, the problem is sin how Jesus died on the cross to take their sins away and remember you end off um, reminding them of those two questions that you asked and then um, uh, and then you explain to them uh, what they were trusting in for salvation and then you lead them in the prayer so I want you to practice on each other. So we've got about 20 minutes to do it. So please try and budget for 10 minutes. So imagine you're on a, you're on a, uh, you're on a bus and it's a 10-minute uh, trip from 
downtown Disney to Disney. You've got 10 minutes. You've got this person's undivided attention. 10 minutes to share the gospel. So you need to make sure you budget your time accordingly. So those that were here last week, can you kindly go through to the church? And don't all sit on top of one another because it can be a bit loud and distracting. But you guys can um, share with each other. If we can maybe have a timekeeper who can... Uh, bro Brother Drew's going to be the timekeeper. So as soon as everyone gets in there, Drew, if you can tell them, uh, you know, five minutes, you've got five minutes left, and please start finishing up, and then uh, they can practice on each other. And, and Carol, Carol has more. If you guys didn't get last week, Carol, Carol has. And those that weren't here last week, if you can just stay here so I can teach you the presentation so that we can all be on the same page. And can we kindly close those doors so we, I have everyone's undivided attention. Okay, so none of you guys were here last week. Okay, so what I'm going to do just in the next 20 minutes or so is teach you how to share the gospel with your friends, your neighbors, strangers that you meet. Okay, the, the most important thing when now, now this is taken into consideration, you've got time with this person. So they're not in a rush. You've got 10, 15, 20 minutes with them. The way you connect with someone is normally on a social level. So, so you'll be speaking to that person you work with and you'll be discussing the weekend or uh, you notice someone's got an L.A. Laker t-shirt on and you'll connect with them that way and you start interacting with them and, and, and you're just kind of breaking down the barriers. But what you really want to do with this person is you want to find out where they're at spiritually. Now, when I first got saved and I started sharing the gospel with people, I would go through the whole gospel for half an hour or an hour. I knew they weren't a Christian. But at the very end, when I said, do you want Jesus to come into your life? They said, but I, I already believe in Jesus. But I know they didn't. And you can't argue with them. So these two questions that are, are critical in asking anyone whether that's spiritually, I'm going to ask them to you. And I want you to write down what your answer is. Don't let anyone see it. But the first question uh, uh, you're going to ask someone once you've interacted with them, Forgive me, uh, let me just backtrack. Uh, you also want to be able to share your testimony. The Bible says they overcame him, the devil, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Now, sometimes you don't have enough time to share your whole testimony. But if you feel led to share your testimony, you need to be able to pack it into three to five minutes, depending how much time you've got. If you haven't got a lot of time, then you just haven't got time to share your personal testimony. But once you've shared your testimony, and I'm going to ask you guys to actually write your testimony out uh, on one or two pages and practice it so that you can give it over three minutes or five minutes. So we're giving you a bit of homework to do. But question number one is, if you were to die tonight, God forbid you're traveling home, you're in a terrible car accident, or you're crossing the road and a Mack truck smacks you and you know, you're no longer here, do you know if you're going to go to heaven? So write down your answer. It's maybe yes, it's maybe no, or you're not sure. 
So yes, no, or not sure. Let me, I want to see you all writing. <laughs> Question number two. Suppose you stand before God. Now you're not in heaven yet. You're standing before God and He says to you, why should I allow you into my heaven? What would your answer be? So you need to write down what you believe the criteria is to get into heaven. So just spend another 15, 20 seconds writing it. And I want it to be on paper so you can see at the very end of the presentation what, what you yourself were trusting in. Okay, and then you can turn it over so no one else can see it. So now you're standing before a person and you've now asked him that first question. If you were to die today, are you all finished writing? Some of you are writing essays, which is not good. <laughs> Your to-do list. Okay. Okay, 10, 9, 8, 7 more seconds, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Okay, stop writing and put your pens down. So question number one is to really find out if a person believes they're going to heaven. Now, if a person says, yes, I believe I'm going to heaven, they may be going to heaven. It doesn't guarantee that they actually are going to heaven until you've asked them question number two. If they say they're not sure they're going to heaven, then they, scripturally now, they're definitely not going to heaven. If they say, no, I don't believe I'm going to heaven, and I always appreciate those honest people, then they're definitely not going to heaven. Now, you don't say that to them when you're sharing the gospel. You're definitely not going. It's, it's for you to have that information. Like a doctor going into, uh, like someone going to a doctor and, hey, what's wrong with you? No, I'm coughing and I've got pain over here. They check you out. They do all the tests. you like the spiritual doctor that's trying to find out what's wrong with them. Question number two, suppose you stand before God and he says to you, why should I allow you into heaven? What would your answer be? Some people say, well, I'm a good person. I go to church. I read my Bible. I tithe. I give my money to the poor. All those things are good, but those things are called good works. And the Bible says our righteousness is like filthy rags. The Bible says it's by grace that we are saved, not of works, lest any man should boast. Because God doesn't want you it to be in heaven where I say, sir, why are you in heaven? Oh, Jared, I was such a good person. I did this and I did that and I did this and I did that. Then he would have something to brag about. Ma'am, why are you in heaven? Oh, Jared, you know what? I was such a good person. I did this and I did that and I did this and I did that. She'd had, have something to boast about. So if your answer was based on your good works, that shows me as a soul winner that you are trusting in your good works to get to heaven. You weren't trusting in what Jesus did on the cross to get to heaven. So if a person says one of those answers, you now as a soul winner, as an evangelist, as a, as a Christian, need to take them on this journey through the gospel to lead them to Jesus. So now you've got their answers. You don't give them what's right or wrong about their answers. It's just for your, your own evaluation. Then you go to step number one. Step number one. And if we've got our, got our scripts, we can hand them out now. Uh, if we can get them from Carol. I didn't want to give it out before because I would have gi given you the answers. 
But I'll just proceed and, and we're going to get these scripts to you. The first thing I normally talk about when sharing the gospel with a non-Christian is God. Because most people have some kind of a concept about God. So when sharing about God, you must just share who He is. God is the creator of the heavens and the earth. He's the one that created the mountains, the sky, the animals, us human beings. And that God wants to have a close, personal, intimate relationship with you. Imagine that. The one that created everything loves you, my friend. The Bible says God is love. And He wants to be intimately involved in your life. Isn't that amazing? And most people are like, wow, that's amazing. But there's a problem. Say problem. The problemo <laughs> is sin. Now what is sin? Sins are the bad things we do. The naughty things we do. If you lie, that's a sin. If you steal, that's a sin. If you commit adultery, that's a sin. If you lust, even look on a man or woman, that's a sin. Cheat on your taxes, that's a sin. Dishonor your parents, that's a sin. Now every single one of us has sinned. How do I know? The Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So God loves us, but He hates our sin, and our sin separates us from Him. Then there's some scriptures that I've included in, in my notes that you can look at. Uh, the Bible says in Romans 3.23, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Psalm 51.3, there's no one perfect, no, not one. And Psalm 51.1 says, in sin my mother conceived me. So in fact, I was born a sinner. You don't, you're not a sinner because you sin, you sin because you're a sinner. And, 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 and let me say, you may know other scriptures that can best illustrate God and sin. This is just a template for you to use. And you may know other illustrations about God and sin and Jesus that, that you've been using your whole life. Stick with that. I'm just giving you the basic structure of, of sharing the gospel. There's an illustration I was taught when I was learning evangelism. Uh, it's called the omelette illustration. I love this illustration because it's so visual. You say to the person, imagine we're hungry now and we crack open 10 eggs. And we mix all the spices and we, we're making your favorite omelette. But the last omelette, the last egg, egg number 10 is rotten. It's smelly, pussy, bloody, it's disgusting, it's foul. And we mix it in the omelette and we stir it around and I serve it up to you. Would you eat it? Yes or no? But why? They're, they're nine great eggs. They're nine beautiful eggs. But it's that one egg that contaminated the whole omelette. And that's how we try and dish up our lives to God. There's a lot of good things I'm sure you do. But there's also a lot of bad things we do as humans. Psychologists, in fact, say we think something like 10,000 thoughts a day. Now imagine how many of those thoughts are evil or bad or sinful. Or maybe you only sin three times a day. If, if, if the average person only sinned three times a day, you'd be pr a pretty good person. Once in the morning, once in the afternoon, once in the evening. But in one year, that would be a thousand sins. Imagine living until age 70 or 90. That would be 70 to 90,000 sins. 
Imagine standing before a judge in a court of law with 70 to 90,000 criminal offenses. They'd throw you in jail and throw away the key. You'd be in for life. So our sins separate us from this incredible God who loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. But there's good news. I know you look a little bit depressed right now, but there's good news. The good news is that God solved this problem in the person of His Son, Jesus. Now, who is Jesus? Now, when you're sharing the gospel with someone, what I do, honestly, in every outreach, uh, when I'm sharing about Jesus, I have these incredible images of movies about Jesus that I've watched. Passion of the Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, um, just a whole lot of Jesus movies. And when I'm talking about Jesus, just ideas of, of things I've seen in those movies come into my mind and I just start sharing with them. So as a soul winner, what you want to do, you want to make Jesus real to people. But there are certain structural things you need to share when sharing the gospel. And those are the fact that Jesus came from heaven to earth. He lived a sinless life. He was a friend of sinners, prostitutes, murderers, criminals. And Jesus loved people and he reached out to people. Now, when sharing the gospel, there's two main things about Jesus you need to cover. Who he is and what he did. So who he is is the essence of who he is, like the Son of God, um, all the miracles he did, how he reached out to people, he loved people, he opened the eyes of the, 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 man, uh, uh, the blind man there by Jericho, he, 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 he had an encounter with the woman caught in an act of adultery. So what are you doing? You're making Jesus real to, to the person that you're speaking to. And while you're speaking about Jesus, this is where the Holy Spirit, who we can't see in the natural, gets really excited. Because Jesus said the Holy Spirit came to convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. So while you're talking to this person, they may be a gangster, they may be your mom, your dad, a school teacher, you know, the worst criminal in, in, in society. You, while you're speaking, the Holy Spirit is convicting them of sin and righteousness and judgment. So you think you're not getting through with them, but at the end when you say, would you like Jesus to come into your life? You'll be so shocked and amazed at how many people actually want to receive Jesus. So don't look at their faces, even if they're looking around like they're disinterested. Remember, you're speaking into their spirit. So their spirit man or woman <laughs> is dead spiritually, but, but the Holy Spirit is, is, is speaking into their hearts. So you just need to keep speaking about Jesus, who He is, and then what He did. The fact that they grabbed him, they beat him, they mocked him, they ridiculed him, they put the crown of thorns on his head, marched him through the streets of Jerusalem, crucified him, the blood came out of his hands and his feet, he died on the cross, they took a spear, thrust it into his side, the fact that he died on the cross, they, they took him off the cross, they examined his body, and I always normally say the Romans, the Jews, and the, the, his disciples examined him. Because a lot of people are very analytical and, and skeptical. Uh, there's a lot of pathetic stories. Oh, Jesus didn't really die on the cross. He was in a semi-coma. and No, he was dead. He died on the cross. The soldier thrust the spear into his side to make sure he was dead. Blood and water came out. Medically, 
uh, that proved he was dead. And, and then they examined his body. And the Romans that were professional executioners knew if someone was dead, the Jews wanted to make sure he was dead because they knew that he said he was going to rise from the dead. So depending on how intellectual the person you are that is that you're sharing the gospel with, depend on how deep you go. The fact that they buried Jesus and then on the third day he rose from the dead and he's alive. So that's the gospel in essence. So once you've shared the gospel with this person that you, you're now interacting with, you need to have remembered what their, what, what their answers were to those two questions. Then you need to remind them of what their answer was. Bob, remember when I asked you that first question, if you die today, do you know if you're going to go to heaven? You said definitely. But remember when I asked you the second question, why should God allow you into heaven? You said, well, Jared, you know, I, I go to church every weekend. I'm a good person. I, I, I tithe. I give offerings. I visit the sick. I, 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 I've never really hurt anyone. I, I, I'm a pretty good person. Can you see that you were trusted in your good works to get to heaven? You weren't trusted in what Jesus did on the cross. Or if someone says, um, no, I don't believe I'll, I'll, I'll or, or say it's Bob. Bob, remember when I asked you that first question, do you, do you know if you're going to go to heaven? You said, no, you're not sure. Can you now see that you can be sure that you can go to heaven, not based on anything you've done, but based on what Jesus did on the cross? Then there's something called the, the chair illustration. You say, you, let, let me quickly show you. I did it last week. Muscles. <laughs> okay, say, say, what's your name, sir? David. David. So say, say David sitting there. Four minutes left. So I say, David, can you see this chair over here? Now, do you believe that if you were to sit in it, it will hold you up? But you don't know for sure. I could, could have booby-trapped it. You sit in it, uh, press this button, and, and, and it all collapses. The only way you're going to know for sure if it holds you up is if you actually get out of your seat and come and sit here. So would you mind doing that, Brother David? So now David's a person, you know, I've just been witnessing to. He's, I met him in a restaurant or, or in a lounge at a hotel or, or somewhere, and I asked him to get out of his chair. And David, please, would you sit here? How does it feel? It didn't collapse. Now, David, remember when I asked you that question, why should God allow you into heaven? You, you, you had all those reasons why. why. Like, I'm a good person. I, I go to church. I, I give money to the poor. I go to hospitals and visit people and I buy people things. Can you see that you were trusting in your good works to get to heaven? So, so that chair represented you. This chair represents Jesus. So what you, you need to do, you need to transfer your trust from yourself, David. And now I'd say this chair represents Jesus. You need to transfer your trust to Jesus. And not trust in what you can do to get to heaven, but trust in what Jesus has already done to get you to heaven. Does that make sense? Are you willing to transfer your trust to Jesus? So, so what have I done to Brother David? Or he wouldn't have been a brother. But David, I've shown him that he was trusting in his good works and not 
having trusted in Jesus. So when you do this, you, you need to be bold, okay? I, I, I know a, a lot of people want to be nice and you don't want to offend people, but you're not offending a person. When you go to a doctor and your doctor says, you, we need to have an operation in the next three hours or you're going to die. Are you offended by the doctor? Oh, doctor, how can you, how can you talk to me in that tone? How can you say something like that to me? No, the doctor loves you, so the doctor's giving you the best advice to help you out. So that's what we're doing with David. Don't be shy or, or nervous to tell him that he was trusting in himself. You need to point him to Jesus. Amen? And then you need to ask people to make a decision for Jesus. It's like you've got the world's best vacuum machine. Pa, pa, pa none. And, and you go with your assistant to a person's house. It's the, the man and the lady. And you throw all the dirt all over. And she starts freaking out. What are you doing? You've wrecked my whole living room. And you pull out the Turbo 1000 and zzz, And it sucks everything in. And they're totally amazed. It's cheaper than any other product. And, and that lady who, she knows this is the deal of a lifetime. But you shake their hand and, and you leave the house. And you never say, would you like to buy it? It wouldn't seem right. So in the same way, when you're sharing the gospel with someone, you need to say to them, would you like to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And you'll be amazed. Most people will say yes. Because Jesus is, is so attractive. So now, then you need to pray with them. So, so, so you normally say, does, does this all make sense to you? Yes. Do you believe Jesus is the Son of God? Yes. Do you believe that he died on the cross to take your sins away? And most people, they'll say yes. Do you, can you now see that it's not your good works that can save you, but only Jesus can save you? Yes, I can see it. Are you willing to transfer your trust to Jesus? Yes. Can we now pray? Yes. And then you lead him in a prayer. Now, I'm not going to look at your, your answers. You know what your answers were. If you were to die today, do you know if you're going to go to heaven? So if it wasn't yes, we're going to pray. And after this prayer, you're going to know for sure that you can go to heaven. And question number two, why should God allow you into heaven? If it was based on good works or religious deeds and not on what Jesus did on the cross, this prayer will cover that as well. So we're all going to pray the prayer together like we're going to be practicing with a friend. But for some of you, it's going to be a real prayer. Amen. So let's all close our eyes including Brother David, <laughs> and just pray this prayer. Father God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. Jesus, I believe in my heart that you are the son of God, that you died on the cross to take all my sins away. I believe that you were buried and on the third day you rose from the dead and you are alive. And right now I give my life to you. My spirit, my soul and my body. Everything I have, everything I am, I give to you right now. 
Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. You've got, now got homework to do, okay? You, you guys have got friends and family, next door neighbors, even maybe your husband, your wife, your cousin, your niece, your nephew, people you work with. And I am now commissioning you, so you've got an excuse, to practice on those people. So what are you going to be practicing? You're going to be practicing the script, okay? So you can literally almost read it word for word. But what we trust in in the next few weeks, you're going to know the script by heart. You're not even going to need it. You're going to be able to stand up and share your testimony in three minutes, ask the two questions, speak about God, speak about sin, speak about Jesus, pray the prayer. But it's going to take practice. So I want to encourage you just to read this through every day. And then practice on someone in your house or, or someone you know. Say, listen, Jared, uh, or my lecturer gave us practice. Uh, 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 we have to practice on someone. And would you mind if I took 15 or 20 minutes to practice on you? And you can't believe how many people have got saved that way. We've had young kids that go home and practice. Mom... The guy, the pastor gave us homework to do for, uh, for tomorrow. Can I practice on you? Yeah, yeah, sure. Mom, if you were to die today, do you know if you're going to go to heaven? Um, I don't know. Question number two. If you th- and, and they end up leading them to the Lord, okay? So we want you to practice as much as possible. Amen? Amen. So from next week, um, w- w- when we split for the 20 minutes, you can just go, go with someone and, and practice with them, okay? And in the next few weeks, I believe, you're going to know it by heart. Amen. Okay, you guys can take a break. Thank you so much. And David, go your way and sin no more.